This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. I have one very important question for you. Uh, I have a very important question for you. Maybe it's the same question. How's it going? Oh, <laughs> it is not the same question. Um, It's going good. I have lost my voice. I don't know why. So that's fun. That's so um, exciting. Yeah. Um, and then I just want to know why after last week's movie about a husband killing his family, we decided to follow up with another husband killing his wives. Because this guy's a whole different level of douche canoe. Oh, my God. Uh, For real, though. Like, we can find things to make fun of this guy about because he's just such a fucking idiot. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed this movie. I really liked it. Oh, good. It was good. I mean, it has it was one I'd recommend. It. It's one I would recommend people watch. So, um, it's funny because at the beginning I was like, oh, Rob Lowe, how the mighty have fallen. Look at you. But he was so good. By the end, I was like, no, you were perfect for this. Yeah. Like, I always love when a real actor does one of these because you tend to enjoy it more. This had a lot of real actors, too. <laughs> Poor everybody else we've ever talked about on this show who is clearly <laughs> not real actors. <laughs> no, you, they, everyone's a real actor. I mean, like some currently A-list celebrities. Right. To me. Maybe they're B-list because they're on TV, but I don't know. I don't I know how that works. I feel like Rob Lowe is pretty A-list even as a TV actor. Like, I know who he yeah. is. Been in some great shows. Um, that whole Heidi Fleiss thing really fucked him up for a while, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so hold on. Me. I gotta reopen my notes because every time I close a page, I end up closing the whole freaking... <sighs> damn it thing tell tell you what what's up tell me about your week tell me one good thing that happened i did not murder any of my co-workers that does cause for a celebration yes call Indeed. for celebration cause for celebration something i like clearly something. i had a very restful week and now my brain is working perfectly yeah, I can see that. Tell me about your week, because your week was a lot more fun than mine. Well, I went to Rhode Island and um, mm -hmm. participated in a big uh, workshop there. I learned how to do some coding and programming in Java and mm -hmm. uh, worked with uh, programming a light show, which was really cool. I know. That was so cool. And The little videos you sent us. Now I feel like I'm ready to take on the world, because I coded three light-up houses, so... Good Back for you. up. <laughs> Maybe I should learn how to code light up houses and then I'll feel like I can take on the world because I feel just about the opposite of that right now. It's definitely empowering. I bet. So tell me one other good thing. And I need you to tell me the, the good thing that I'm thinking of that happened to you this week. Oh, was it the job offer? Because that was good. Or... No, the job offer in Hawaii, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Is it that I, we've kind it's of. something that came up. It's something that came up a while ago, but you agreed to do it this week. 
take off my clothes for money? <laughs> no. Uh, you're going to play somewhere really Oh, cool? yeah. I, uh, oh a my month, God. Sorry. As we're recording a month from today, I'm going to go play in Washington, D.C. Yay. Uh, so that's where really at? exciting. Where at? At the Kennedy Center. Yeah. Which will mean in the course of two years, I will have played Carnegie Hall twice and Kennedy Center once. And oh. it's going up from here. I mean, it's all coming up, Paul. Um, I still think the job offer in Hawaii was pretty cool, too. It was, except you don't want to move to Hawaii, so... I don't, but somebody saw my promise and my ability. For once, somebody saw my promise and ability and appreciated well, me for the gift that I am. Is, is blind AF, so... <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Oh, I want to tell you guys, all, all of you, that I've decided what I'm going to do on Patreon for now. Ooh, um, you're just going to read the names of celebrity children and make fun of them. No. Looking at you, Apple. <laughs> you know she listens to us, too. Uh, no, so right now, <laughs> I'm sorry, CNN is running um, a TV special about the Windsors. It's Ooh. Like, six or eight episodes long and so i'm gonna start recapping that starting next week for you guys that sounds really good what's the one thing i love to talk about uh, yourself oh you no, meant the second you. thing okay <laughs> well since i'm part of the royal family uh, i really just meet myself that's yeah. fair <laughs> listen they but just released about it. they just gave up two titles one of those is clearly meant for you exactly <laughs> <laughs> um I'm sure you've seen it, but Sarah was reading to me that the latest fight is that um, Harry says that Queen Elizabeth doesn't own the word royal. And I'm like, "Mm, are you sure? Harry does, though. (laughs) Because when I say royal, nobody these days is thinking of Lord. No. (laughs) Did you hear Sarah sing from the other room? (laughs) Oh, we're the best couple ever. So literally on Friday, my friend sent me an article at 12.52 in the afternoon about how Megan told somebody that she had every legal right to use the word royal for their brand that they're launching. And then an, less than an hour later, my friend sends me another article from people saying – the, do the Megan and Harry announced they will not use the title of royal <laughs> in their, their foundation. <laughs> like, oh, somebody got a very yelly phone call from London. <laughs> I listen. I think probably somebody just reminded Harry what they did to his mom. We wa- I watched that Lifetime movie. I know the conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. It's she truth. Was, never mind. No. <laughs> If that was how they dealt with people they didn't want to deal with, do you think that this would all be going on right now? Right. So. Anyways, let's talk about this asshole. This week I watched. Oh, are you going to introduce us? 
No. Hi, welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I <laughs> am um the royal formerly known as Harry. <laughs> and I am the Duchess. You can refer to me as such, and please don't turn your back to me when you're in a room that I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so this week I watched Drew Peterson, Untouchable, and they're back with the creative um, punctuation because it's Drew Peterson, colon, Untouchable. I would like there to be like a, a question mark right there at the end or an exclamation <laughs> point just to drive it home. Yeah. I mean, it's no calendar girl, comma, cop, comma, killer, question mark. <laughs> Well, okay. Yeah, I think they used up all their spare punctuation with that one. That's why they've been so sparing since. <laughs> it's it was released in 2012, and I'm pretty sure that things have happened in the real story since then. So they have. I'm excited to hear about it, and it stars Rob Lowe as Drew Peterson, and his performance was amazing. But the transformation he went on, he underwent. Didn't he to put on a lot of weight for this role? Yeah, I remember that being a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because at the end, they show him like changing into his prison uniform. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he's not untouchable. <laughs> but he like takes off his shirt. And it was the first time I realized like he had gained like a pot belly for this role. But it was so funny because then he turns around and his back muscles are like ripped. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I have that problem too. I put on a pot belly for this role, but my back muscles are ripped. <laughs> it also stars Kaylee Cuoco. Really? Yeah, she plays Stacy Peterson. You will know her from The Big Bang Theory, The Wedding Ringer, and then my favorite thing that she's ever been in, which was Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. That's what I know her from. I loved that show. John Ritter, oh, what a treasure. Um, Catherine Dent, she plays Karen. The neighbor, kick-ass Karen, the neighbor. Um, she's been in Lucifer. She's been in the Magnum Pie. Magnum Pie. Magnum, Magnum Pie. She's in three point one four of the episodes. <laughs> and and the Shield on FX. And then Cara Buono. Sure, she plays Kathleen Savio. She was in Stranger Things, Mad Men, and The Sopranos. Oh, so she's been in things I've seen. Okay. Uh huh. I don't recognize that name, but that's interesting. Yeah. Cara Buono. We open on a news set, and Drew is getting set up for an interview. He remarks that he recently lost 20 pounds for his Playgirl shoot. I'm already grossed out. (laughs) But then he's like, I'm just joking. That's just a rumor I've heard about myself. The anchor comes over and says he did some research on Drew, and Drew responds by complimenting his makeup and then saying that he's the most researched man in America. His wife ran away, and people find that interesting. The director comments, oh, you're interesting, all right. <laughs> wow. The anchor sits down and confirms that Drew has, in fact, had four wives, and then says, you must have really bad luck with wives. And Drew says, he's just a romantic and likes being married. Um, Clearly <laughs> you don't if you've had to do it so many times. That sounds like you like weddings, which is a very different statement. Well, what he says is he likes honeymoons, but the honeymoon always ends. 
Mm, but does it though? And then we walk in to the moment a young child came to need therapy. <laughs> yeah. He walks in. He's Drew and Kathleen's son. He walks on them. Ha- he walks on the, in on them having sex. He's for sure scarred for life because they don't notice him for a little too long. And then when they do, they don't um, separate themselves. No. Ooh, unplug. Come on now. <laughs> um, <laughs> unplug. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. So Drew just comments oh he to his wife he's like, "Oh, he just couldn't be quiet. You're getting too much bi- too much love from Big Daddy." And I was like, "Hmm, great." So that's the point where we all needed therapy. <laughs> I need a shower and some therapy after watching this. So <laughs> um especially because finally Drew unplugged you're welcome. <laughs> and climbs out of bed fully nude and gives the kid like a full frontal view. Hey, I think I hear my mom calling. I'm going to go while you finish this. <laughs> the mom tells the kid to go back to the kitchen and admonishes Drew for being naked. <laughs> he says, quote, oh, no. This is not that we haven't gotten to the worst part yet. <coughs> he says, quote, he has a right to know why they call me Big Daddy, end quote. No one called you that but you. <laughs> no, um, and I hate this guy already. We cut to Drew at his job as a police officer and either... Rob Lowe is a great actor, and Drew Peterson looks like his eyes are closed the whole movie on purpose, or he was high the whole time, or both. I don't know. <laughs> you, you can never tell. <laughs> they walk into a hotel lobby and meet Kaylee Cuoco, or the future Mrs. Stacy Peterson. Drew starts hitting on her immediately, and Stacy calls him out for him, but they get interrupted by the reason Drew is there in the first place. A crazy drunk guy with a pair of scissors. Okay. That was probably me after I heard that he called himself Big Daddy. Big Papa. <laughs> um, so they arrest him and they're outside doing paperwork and Stacy gets off work and gets in her friend's car. Um, Stacy asks her friend if she thinks Drew is hot and she's like, ew, no, he's like 50. And then they drive away. But Stacy blows him a kiss as they ride away. Um, okay. Yeah. She's like 20, I think, at this point. Um, okay. Or maybe 21 or, tw- I don't know. In, she disappeared when she was 23. In real life, the rumor was they started seeing each other when she was 17. Either that, either that was her or the wife before, but I think it was her. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, back at home, the honeymoon must officially be over because Drew and the current Mrs. Peterson are fighting. 
They go to a police party, and Drew starts flirting with other women. So Kathleen gets mad. Drew responds to this by locking her in a cell at the police station. Oh, that old jealous wife in a cell trick. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. I can at zero. That's the number. Sarah can kill you and make it look like an accident. (laughs) She reminds me that on the daily. (laughs) Kathleen calls him a son of a bitch and then asks him if he knows how much she hates him sometimes. Cut to Drew flirting with Stacy outside the hotel on a motorcycle. Of course, this douchebag has a motorcycle. Then I believe the term I used was douche canoe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, then he takes her to show her his airplane, which sadly is not a euphemism this time. Um, he tells her he'll take her out for steak and lobster. Um. But there's something she should know first. Stacy says, I don't care how old you are, and they start making out. He stops quickly to say that technically he's still married. Stacy still doesn't care, though, so they go back to making out. Drew comes home and says good morning to his wife, who throws a full-ass plate of food at his head. I like her. I do, too. He grabs... Oh, no. She starts screaming about what a liar Drew is. Drew calls her crazy, which totally makes her calm down and definitely doesn't make her just yell louder. Um, Drew goes to leave and she starts hitting him. He grabs her and pushes her back and goes to buy Stacy a car. You know, normal stuff. <sighs> he tells her he just wants to make her life perfect. She says he already does and then asks him if he wants to make out in the back seat. And so they do. Back at home, Kathleen gets a letter that Drew is having an affair. Drew accuses her of writing the letter herself, and she explodes, rightfully so. She kicks him out, so he goes to cry to Stacy about it. Stacy announces at this time, during his wham wham moment, that she's pregnant. So, yeah. I'd like to point out we're 18 and a half minutes into recording and I already feel the like tension of this is a stressful movie. He goes to his and Kathleen's house and Kathleen accuses him of breaking in and calls the police. But Drew's just walking down the stairs. He's like, hey, Jimmy, see what I have to deal with? And he leaves. God. Cut to several months later in a pregnant Stacy and Drew are moving in together. Kathleen shows up demanding that Drew sign some papers about the property settlement before she'll sign the divorce papers he sent her. He walks off to find a pen and Kathleen tells Stacy that someday Stacy will be, Oh, she tells Stacy she feels, she feels sorry for her. And that someday Stacy will be in her position and she'll regret the day she ever met Drew Peterson. Stacy is every moon eyed girl in love and says that her house is going to be full of love and laughter and she'll never be bitter and angry like Kathleen. Sweetie. Kathleen, Kathleen calls her a little girl, which I hate, and says she can have Drew. A few months later, Stacy has a baby boy and it's wedding time. As Stacy walks down the aisle, one of his groomsmen remarks that he doesn't know how Drew keeps getting these, quote, luscious women. Okay, so poor word choice, but I do kind of wonder the same thing. Yeah, Um, I do, too. So uh, to marry him, he just responds that, 
Oh, he responds by making his son tell his friend that Big Daddy has it going on. No. I'm sorry, sir. That is child abuse. <laughs> um, cut back to the interview and they start talking about phone calls to the police by him and Kathleen about abuse, etc. He asks about Kathleen's accusation that he broke into the house, held her down, and threatened to kill her. But he passes that off as ridiculous and says, if he went to hell right now, the devil would say, quote, there's nothing I can do to you. You've already been married to Kathy Peterson. Um, if he weren't such a, such a douchebag, I would laugh really hard at that because that's kind of funny. But I hate him, so no. The anchor asks again about the allegation, and he says if he'd gotten physical with Kathleen, he could he could lose his job, and he challenges anyone to speak out and say they've ever seen him angry. Cut to a weekend off with his and Kath- with his and Kathleen's boys. Stacy tells him goodbye and then leans on Drew's shoulder because they don't like her. He tells her this will pass and soon they'll think that she's the best mom in the world, which is interesting considering what happens next. And as he's, as he's leaving, he's, she says, Oh honey, those clothes you put in the wash last night, I'm happy to do your laundry. Just leave it in the hamper, which seems like a perfectly normal thing to say, but the look, look on his face and the music changed to minor makes me guess. Probably not. Mm, yeah. He takes the boys home to Kathleen's, but she doesn't answer the door. He sends the boys back to his house because they conveniently live just down the street. Don't like that. And calls a locksmith and a friend to come over and check out the house once it's unlocked because he, quote, can't go in there because of crazy Kathleen and her restraining orders. His friend reluctantly goes inside and finds Kathleen naked and dead in the empty bathtub. Uh Uh-uh. I don't like that. Drew and Stacy go to the ME's office and are stopped by outside by a reporter. And Drew basically tells him there's no story while Stacy acts nervous. They're being interviewed together, which is weird. Yeah. Don't like that. Stacy is like super nervous and says she just found out she's pregnant again and the stress is bad for the baby. So she's worried. Um, the Emmy says this really all is just a formality because the death was ruled an accidental drowning. Curious since the bathtub was empty, but whatever. Oh, good. I'm glad they <laughs> kept that detail in the movie because it was dry in real life. Yeah. Hmm. Stacy, oh, Stacy comes out. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Bath, back at home, Drew is trying to get the boys to play basketball with him. Stacy comes out and says they should go say hello to the new neighbors. Drew asks her why, and Stacy says, I don't know, like to be nice or polite or, you know, normal. <laughs> I feel that. Then she's like, Well, if you don't want to come, I'll just go by myself. And she leaves. Drew grumbles that back in the good old days, you could just keep a woman pregnant and she would stay in her house. And this is probably the first and only time I'll say, okay, boomer. I can't. Like, they did a real good job at making me hate him. Yeah. 
Stacy goes for a walk with the baby and her new neighbor and talks about Drew and Kathleen since they live in the same neighborhood. And the neighbor is like, uh, this is all very not right. <clears throat> Drew and his partner arrest someone for purse, for purse snatching. The suspect says he needed the money for food because his girl just found out she's pregnant. Drew launches into a speech about big, fat, sweaty, and disgusting she's going to get. And I didn't think I could hate this guy anymore, but I was wrong. Surprise! Um, Stacy calls at that moment to say her water's broken. So they let the guy go, and we cut to a baby girl in the crib. Drew's whispering sweet nothings in her ear and hands Stacy a new cell phone and tells her not to lose it. And this time she better answer it on the third ring, or he's going to get really mad. Mm, poor thing. Zach graduates from middle school, and his graduation party has a lot of booze, considering that he's not even in high school. I mean, it's for the adults, but it's a lot. Very um, <laughs> big little lies. Yes. Drew breaks my cardinal rule and starts digging through Stacy's phone and, and email because she was blowing kisses at Zach at his graduation. And doesn't she remember that's how she got Drew? Oh. Stacy tries to take the computer from him and he throws her into the television just as her neighbor, Karen, steps into the room. Back in the interview, the anchor says that Stacy's family and friends say he was controlling and mean, but he just says that he's not perfect. And often when things are put under a microscope, the positive gets, quote, washed under the blankets, which is not a thing. You've never you've never said that something's been washed. You know, you sweep under the rug, you wash under the blanket and then you push violently under the couch. That's the three levels of cleaning. <laughs> um. And people only see the negatives. Cut back to Stacy, who wants to take on a small bookkeeping job at Karen's house. Um, Drew just tells her it's like a slap in the face, which he can go straight to hell for that. Um, she and Karen are at the grocery store later, and Drew calls the neighbor searching for Stacy. Stacy starts to flip out because she left her phone in the car, and the neighbor is like, "What the fuck? Like, what is happening?" Um, Drew starts stalking Stacy in the daytime while she mows the yard. And I'm like, dude, I thought you were a big, strong man. Why are you making your wife, you wanted to keep barefoot and pregnant 20 minutes ago, mow the lawn? Right. <sighs> Kathleen's sister comes. And I just think it's because we needed a gratuitous shot of perfect Kaylee Cuoco in a bikini top and shorts. I mean, that's fair. Mm. Kathleen's sister comes to take the boys for ice cream, but Stacy won't let them go because Drew says Drew didn't say that she could, and he'll be too mad if she lets them without him knowing. Kathleen's sister screams at him, screams at her in the front yard, and accuses her of like being in on Kathleen's murder that she thinks Drew committed. Um, which is like. Kathleen or Stacy has like no idea what she's talking about. Right. But Kathleen can't worry about it for too long. Stacy can't worry about it for too long because she gets a call that her sister has died. At the funeral, she hugs her sister's husband, you know, the widower who was sobbing. And Drew immediately accuses her of sleeping with him. Well, if she, um, 
if she'd mind her own goddamn business, then he wouldn't accuse her of things. This really is all her fault. No. (laughs) (laughs) Daisy calls him disgusting. And later she's laying in bed crying. And Drew lays down beside her. And at first he like backs like he's going to be sweet. But then he starts asking her how many times she quote banged her dead sister's husband. She tries to get up and he slams her down in the bed. She says she can't do this anymore and it's over. She tells him to get out. And if he doesn't leave, she's going to make his life very difficult. And she knows that he knows what exactly what she means. And I'm glad someone does because I sure as hell did not. Oh. I figured it out later. Okay. I was like, I think I know. Yeah. Um, so she tells him to get out. And if he doesn't. I'm sorry. He lets her up finally, and she runs out of the room. He tries to apologize the next morning, but when she doesn't readily accept his apology, he ends his apology that saying, telling her that leaving is not an option. It's always an option. Stacy goes to have lunch with someone of the male persuasion, and they are interrupted by Drew, who demands to stand over them and watch them eat. It's really romantic when Sarah jealously stands over and watches me eat. (laughs) Like, that's that's how we've kept our romance alive for so long. Mm -hmm. She's actually currently hiding in the corner listening to our recording right now, making sure I haven't said anything worth freaking out over. (laughs) Stacey goes to her pastor and tells him she's terrified of Drew. She wakes up one morning to go help her sister paint her new apartment, her other sister. And Drew tries to give her a necklace. And they get into a fight. Like, it's like an apology, kind of, but not. Um, The younger son can hear them fighting. Oh, my God! (laughs) (laughs) Sarah very creepily stuck just her eyes around the corner of the door just because I said that. leaving that in okay (laughs) so the son can hear them fighting to the anchor he tells the story of the last time he saw stacy and conveniently leaves out the fight they had that morning he said she left to go paint her sister's house which i don't think is true um and later called him and said she was moving out because she met someone else wanted to be with him, which I know isn't true. Um, well, you know, whenever you're painting someone else's house and you, ha- you know, happenstance have a meet cute with some non-existent guy that you have to run away with right then. We've all yeah. had that moment, Aaron. Sure. Um, sorry. Uh, he's, we cut to her sister storming up to the neighbor's house and ringing the doorbell. She, uh, Karen opens the door and her sister asks if she knows where Stacy is. Karen says no, but she's been worried about her because she hasn't been answering her phone. Just then, Drew pulls up. They go over and demand to know where Stacy is, but Drew says that she left him for someone new. But somehow left the kids behind, which towns sounds totally legit. Sure, sure. So 
So they call the police and a detective comes and takes Karen and Stacy's sister's statement. While Drew also gives a statement about how she's run off with a new man. And then asks the detectives for space because his poor, whittled, broken heart is hurting. Go fuck off. Um, Karen goes home and sobs against the door and tells her husband that she really thinks Stacy is dead. Back at the interview, Drew says he totally wasn't worried about the police. When when they're called, everyone always su- suspects the husband, which is because 90% of the time, he it's did it. Husband, right. <laughs> um, Stacy goes to the newspaper, and do you remember that reporter from outside the medical examiner's office? Yes, I do. They conveniently give the story to him. And he recognizes Stacy and Drew from that day. Oh, convenient. We cut to Matt Lauer, trash, uh, giving the story on the Today Show. At the Peterson house, there are reporters everywhere. The newspaper guy goes to the door and says he can help Drew tell his side of the story. Remember, he accurately quoted him last time. Um... Drew lets him in, and the reporter says if Stacy doesn't show up soon, there are going to be a lot of people throwing around the word murder. Drew says no, the police know who he is, just as the police show up with a search warrant. <laughs> really bad timing. Um, Drew takes the kids to Karen's, and and takes Karen in the bathroom to have a chat with her about things. Karen is rightfully, like, horrified. <laughs> yeah. And since there was, like, a murderer in her home, he j- just thanks her for being so good with the kids. Since Stacy's run off, I guess he's going to stick with this story. Um, At least he didn't change stories yet. She asks if that's what he told the kids, and he says no. He told them that she's just on vacation, and he hopes she comes back soon. He tells Karen how much he loves Stacy and Karen's like, okay, thanks for sharing. I'm going to go check on the boys. Bye. Um, oh, hey, I just, just remembered I need to talk to the cops about a TV. Nothing, NBD, just TV. You threw her. I mean, what? Bye. <laughs> she, t- she finds Justin on the couch and he eerily says that nobody should talk to the police. And Karen's like, actually, we should definitely, definitely talk to the police about things. <laughs> Outside, Kathleen's sister comes up screaming about how they should also be investigating her sister's murder. Drew steps out of his home dressed in an NYPD hat with a flag bandana tied over his face. But then he takes it off and crazily laughs into the camera to leave him alone. Um, We cut to Katie Couric talking on the Today Show, announcing that Drew Peterson is a suspect in Stacey's disappearance. Karen finally confronts Drew and he kicks her out. He calls her a nasty bitch, too, which is just swell. That's really charming. Uh, mm. Drew then goes out on his motorcycle so he can look cool on TV, I presume. He's going to see his brother, who overdosed. And most people would expect them to be, like, nice. Or, I don't know, compassionate. Or something. Nah. But instead, he mocks him for not being able to complete suicide correctly and then tells him to man up. 
God, what an ass. Back to Katie Couric, we get some actual footage of the search and then go back to the movie. Um, Drew comes out and she film and he films the reporters. He tells one of the reporters that she is, quote, so hot. Um, back to, oh no. The boys are, the boys at the police station are all watching this footage and his partner turns around to find Drew. Partner tells him that the captain is going to suspend him without pay and that also the state police have a court order to exhume Kathleen's body for a second autopsy. Drew walks away and his partner looks like he's going to pee his pants. He's like so scared. Yeah. Um, back in the interview, Drew says he's a jokester and likes to kid around. So this really isn't like him. Um, Drew's working on his plane with his friend and the newspaper reporter saying that he wishes Stacy would just pop her head up and stop screwing with him. And what do you know? The second autopsy of Kathleen shows that she was murdered. No. I know. Crazy, but she right? drowned in a completely dry tub. I know. Um, Drew goes on the radio to tell a sad, sad story. He blames Stacy wanting to leave him on her period, which is something he does multiple times during this movie. And it's disgusting. Uh, the radio DJ is also just a delightful man and wants to sponsor a contest called Win a Date with Drew. While people search for his missing wife. Do you remember that 90, I mean, early 2000s movie, Win a Date with Tad Hamilton? I do. I actually liked that movie. <laughs> the radio, oh no, Drew gives an interview later that the contest was canceled because the station received so much well-deserved backlash. Right. Um, the interviewer asks about the disappearance of Stacy and the murder of Kathleen, so Drew just walks away. Um, he goes out with his friends and the reporter guy, who are very disappointed by the news there will be no dating game. He goes and hits on some girls, and his, the friend tells the reporter guy that Drew only hits on hot young girls who grew up in bad situations and are looking for security. <sighs> Yikes. Hmm. Um, Drew comes back and says he's found wife number five. And we cut to a reporter reporting that Drew Peterson is engaged again to a 23 year old who just doesn't believe he would ever hurt Stacy. The neighbor watches the story and then puts a huge sign in her yard of Stacy's picture. Drew tells his new girlfriend not to talk to Karen, but Karen yells that she sure hopes she doesn't have to put, make a new sign for her. Um, Karen goes to see Stacy's pastor to see if he wants to, to hold a fundraiser for the search. He says this is all very disturbing. <coughs> and he had a conversation with Stacy before she disappeared. That is weighing very heavily on him on whether to break confidentiality and go to the police. I'm going to say yes, do that. Mm, he does. Flashback to Stacy telling a story about the night Kathleen was murdered. And how they had gone to bed, but Drew had gotten up later and left. And she knows Drew killed Kathleen, and she thinks that he she helped him get away with it. And now she thinks he's going to kill her. Reporter comes to Drew's house and gives him the heads up that Stacy's pastor did in fact go to the police to disclose his story. And he's going to be on TV that night. And the new girlfriend overhears this and is like, okay, this is fun. Bye. And she leaves. I just remember he my tries. mom 
told me I have to be home by seven. Bye. He tries to stop her and grabs her by the back of her neck. But kick-ass Karen comes out of her house and saves the day by asking if everything's okay. So Chloe, the girlfriend, uses this opportunity to get in the car and drive away. Karen and Drew have a little stare down. Later, she's doing dishes and hears a noise. It's her garage door going up and down. And who has her garage door opener in her driveway? Drew. He, she asks, like, she tells him to give back her stuff and says she'll just um, change the code. And he's like, do you think that will stop me? I'm untouchable, bitch. Mm, let's not use that word anymore. You have, you have bigger fish to fry. Drew goes on Larry King and tries to explain how innocent he is. Um, he makes calls trying to cover his ass, but the neighbor overhears him and calls the state police. They go to his brother's house to talk to him, and we flash back to him talking to his brother about Stacy cheating on him and then saying that, completely unrelated, he needs help moving something. It's one of those big plastic <laughs> drums. It's one of those big plastic drums that's in his bedroom for no reason at all. Oh, yeah, everyone's got one. It's like the clothes chair. You know, everyone's got that clothes yeah. chair. <laughs> yeah. Um... Everything is normal. Tra-la-la. <laughs> and we cut to the news reporters all giving the story that a, quote, relative told police that he may have unwittingly helped Drew Peterson move Stacy's body. Drew watches all the news about himself and everyone saying he needs to be arrested. But I guess it's a dream because then he, w- like, wakes up, like, gasping. Drew goes to buy some luggage for his trip to Vegas to be in a movie. Oh, my Fucking... God. What? A... Uh-huh. The reporters go to follow him, and the newspaper guy tells Karen, who's standing in her driveway, this is it, this is what you've been waiting for, before getting in his car. Drew pulls out of his neighborhood and is immediately surrounded by police cars and arrested. We cut to my bestie, Andy Cooper, my favorite, breaking the story of the arrest. At the station, Drew acts like a complete ass and does a striptease for the officers. There's no way he acted like a complete ass. I don't believe it. And I just need to know, is Rob Lowe, like, really short, or did they just hire really tall people for this scene? I send your call that he's actually pretty short. The ending, Chiron says, on September 6, 2012, Drew Peterson was convicted of murdering his third wife, Kathleen Savio. He faces up to 60 years in prison. His fourth wife, Stacey Peterson, has never been found. He is still looking for wife number five. And all this all runs over Drew getting a visit from a mysterious woman in prison. The end. I like that they poked fun at him at the end. He's still looking for wife number five. Yeah. (laughs) Yikes. It sounds like it moved pretty quickly, though. Yeah. You know, sometimes you tell me about these movies and it feels like they drag on and on. This one doesn't seem like that Yeah, this one didn't. Um, Alright, well, you ready to hear about the real douche canoe? I mean, no, but sure, let's do it. Um, the thing is, I always expect your stories to take a little longer than today did, so I'm not finished with my painting. Um, so everybody's going to have to wait until I'm there. Okay. See, I painted this. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> All right. So, um... You the paintings you do while I talk as merch. Yes. Um, 
I used several sources, and then I was so proud of myself last night. You know, I started my notes early. By that, I mean not rushing to finish them right before we record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I somehow forgot to write down my sources, which is really unlike me. Um, mm. So, I know that I used Wikipedia. I know that I used, um, let's see, I have this website pulled up, um, the Chicago Tribune mm-hmm. and the Seattle Times. Um, okay. I did not write down specific articles, which normally I'm really good about attributing the, like, author, but today was not one of those days. So, Drew Walter Peterson was born January 5th, 1954. And he graduated from Willowbrook High School in Villa Park, Illinois. And then Wikipedia made sure that we knew he ran cross country. So do with that news or information what you will. Congrats, douchebag. You know he's in jail editing his own Wikipedia article. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran cross country, damn it. <laughs> um, he joined the U.S. Army after graduation and briefly attended the College of DuPage in 1974 before moving to Falls Church, Virginia to train as military police. He later began a 30-year career with the local police force in Bolingbrook, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago, uh, in 1977. Mm-hmm. In 1978, he was assigned to the Metropolitan Area Narcotics Squad, and in 1979, he received the Police Officer of the Year Award from his department. You know they regret that now. Yeah. Yeah. He retired in November yeah. of 2007 at the age of 53 with the rank of sergeant and was given a tax-free $79,000 a year pension, which comes out to almost $6,600 a month. I'm so mad right now. I know. Brightside, his pension was terminated following his second conviction. Not his first, his second. Boo! So, as you mentioned, he was married nothing short of a million times. Um, his first... Wait, does he find... Can we spoiler alert? Does he find wife number five? He does not. Aw, oh, bummer. Um, yeah, some for some reason, being convicted of murdering your wife makes it real hard. <laughs> you know, it's not impossible... Because we know the douches who still get love letters in jail. But, oh, God. I know. Um, so his first wife, um, he met in high school in Villa Park. And um, they like went to senior prom together. They got married in 1974, but divorced six years later. Um, mm-hmm. After, and this is going to shock you. She found out that Drew was having an affair. No. Yeah, and that just doesn't sound like the police of the year at all. Definitely not. Um, They had two sons. 
Uh, and I'm not going to name them because those poor boys don't need their names dragged into this at all. No. Um, so his second wife, um, he married two years later. Mm-hmm. They opened a bar together in Romeoville. And um, she alleged a history of domestic abuse during their 10-year marriage. And so did her daughter, who lived in the same house until she turned 17. Um, after Stacy disappeared, um, this wife, uh, Connolly, told police that during their marriage, Peterson threatened to kill her and make it look like an accident. So, I... I wish that had been reported earlier, but hindsight is twenty twenty. But, mm-hmm. God, that's rough. Um, so she divorced Peterson after he started dating wife number three, Kathleen Savio. Mm. The divorce was finalized February 18th, 1992, and he married Savio two months later. Ugh. Um, so Peterson married an accountant named Kathleen Savio, who was born June 13th, 1963, in Glendale Heights, Illinois, on May 3rd, 1992. Together, they had two sons. Um, and it's... So I know that his convictions were fairly recent. Like, I know the last time he was convicted of something was in 2016. The fact that these kids are younger than me still blows my mind. Like, I just forget how recent this particular case is. Mm Mm-hmm. So in 2001, um, Kathleen Savio received a letter accusing Peterson of having an affair with then 17-year-old Stacy Kales a front desk clerk at a Bolingbroke hotel. Um, in the midst of their divorce, Savio sent a letter to the wills to the will County state's attorney's office saying that she feared Peterson may kill her. God. So that was like documented and put on record. Uh, but then not at all ever looked at while he was, mm-hmm. when, when she was found in a dry bathtub. Yeah, no. From, who died from drowning. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah, they're like, hey, does anybody remember this woman wrote a letter? Um, God, what did it say? What did it say? Oh, I, yes. It said, I like to drown in bathtubs. I remember this letter now. So glad she sent that. God. So, um, their divorce was finalized October 10th, 2003, and it was reported that between 2002 and 2004, police were called out to their house 18 times for domestic disturbance calls. Wow. Including calls for returning children late after visitation. Mm-hmm. So on March 1st, 2004, the day before my birthday, I know you're all wondering, mm-hmm. um, her body was found in a waterless bathtub. And some reports, like some called it a dry bathtub. And I feel like that that's a different distinction. So a waterless bathtub could imply that there had been water in it. But dry mm-hmm. makes it sound as if if there had been water, it has been long gone. Right. 
So um, her death was initially ruled an accidental drowning by a coroner's jury that included the police officer or a police officer who personally knew Peterson and assured the other jurors that he was a good man who would never hurt his wife. And I could go on 300,000 rants about the police good old boy system. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to let you sum all of them up on your own because you all know where it's going to come back around to. But fuck, for real? Like, do you know how many things could have been avoided if this douche canoe hadn't been on that jury? I don't know why that's my word tonight, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, however, following Stacy Peterson's later disappearance, Savio's body was exhumed and underwent forensic examination on November 16th, 2007. Uh-huh. Mike, Michael Baden, a former New York City medical examiner who conducted the examination at the request of Savio's relatives and Fox News, concluded that she died of drowning following a struggle when her body was placed in the bathtub. Which sounds a lot more like that letter that she had sent to the court. But what do I Weird. know? Postmortem photos showed extensive bruising and scraping to her back, torso, and face, as well as a large, unexplained gash in her scalp. The results of the official autopsy were ordered by the county uh, that were ordered by the county have yet to be released to the public. Will County State's Attorney General, not general at all, Attorney James Glasgow, told the press that after examining evidence in the case, he believed that the death was, quote, a homicide staged to look like an accident. No. No kidding. He <laughs> don't say. On February 21st, 2008, Glasgow announced that a pathologist had determined that Savio's death was a homicide, adding that the death had been investigated as such since reopening the case following the exhumation. Well... I would hope that you would start investigating it if you've exhumed the body and determined that there was something wrong with it. Like, mm-hmm. like I think he just told us all water is wet, but in a way yeah. that keeps everyone off his case for a minute. So, interestingly enough, while you've been talking, I've been looking up pictures of the actual Drew Peterson. Uh-huh. And because I want, actually, I wanted to see his kids because I think I've heard his sons are, like, super hot. But... <laughs> But instead, I found, first of all, I just want to say they should have gotten the guy from the West Wing who played um, in our first episode. Yeah. He should have played. Like, he, they look just alike. Uh-huh. And then second of all, I found a very important article titled, How to Tell Drew Peterson, Scott Peterson... Michael Peterson and um oh who's the other one? Drew uh, Scott Peterson, Scott with one T Peterson, Drew Peterson and Michael <laughs> Peterson apart. <laughs> that is important because you know, part of the Komodo here, I sure did do four pages worth of research last night on the wrong Peterson. <laughs> I know. And- I mean, also, let's just, like, blanket say don't marry anyone with the last name Peterson. You will probably die. If your last name was Peterson, go ahead and change it. Yeah, just change it. 
Unless you're a killer, then leave it. Right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> any murderers listening to this podcast, please go ahead and change your name to Peterson. <laughs> It'll make it easier to find you. <laughs> you know, so, some of us might be turned on by that thing. So it's just our way to find you. Nobody contact them. <laughs> So interestingly, like, I wonder if they could do that as, like, when murder, if murderers get out of jail, like, on parole, they make them change their name to Peter. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, instead of a sex offender registry, you have the Peterson registry. <laughs> you just look up, well, there are eight Petersons in this neighborhood. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the it. property values are going down. Yep. All right. <laughs> And that's all my notes right there. Just everyone change your name to Peterson or don't. Those are your two options. Thanks and good night. <laughs> so, okay. Um, <laughs> so I copy and pasted stuff out of order because I didn't actually know or like and wrote stuff out of order because I didn't actually know how to put this whole timeline together because um, the end of Savio's life and Stacy's life kind of intertwined so much. Um, so, um, at the age of 49, Peterson married 19-year-old hotel receptionist Stacy Ann Kales, born January 20th, 1984, in Downers Grove, Illinois. So, she's only four years older than me. Like, that is so sad. I mean, it's always sad. Wait, when was she 19? She was born in 1984. And so she's a year the, younger than me. Yeah. I was born in 83. Yeah. I mean, 93. 93, right, right. I was like, man, you're really bad with numbers tonight. <laughs> so on October 18th, 2003, uh, oh, they got married on October 18th, 2003. And that's when she changed her name to Stacy Peterson, obviously, um, because half my notes say Kales and half say peterson and so i thought it was important to let you guys know when she changed her name because i was real proud of my notes last night important (laughs) um together they had two children um anthony born in 2003 and Lacey born in 2005 um stacy also legally adopted savio's children and she really did treat them like they were her own like she really loved them Mm-hmm. In August of 2007, Stacy met with Reverend Neil Shorey at a Starbucks. She told the oh, pastor mm-hmm. about the night before Savio's body was found and says that Peter's, that Peterson coached her to provide a false alibi. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I still like, I still can't believe that they let him be in the room. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Um, trying to get my timeline back under things. Okay. So she was close to completing her nursing degree from Joliet Junior College at the time of her disappearance on Sunday, October 28th, 2007. She was officially reported missing in the early hours of Monday, October 29th after her sister Cassandra Kales failed to hear from her when she was expecting a phone call. 
Peterson claimed that Stacy called him at 9 p.m. on Sunday to tell him that she was leaving him for another man and that she had left her 2002 Pontiac Grand Am at Bolingbrook, Bolingbrook's Clow International Airport. So she calls and she says, I've met someone else and I'm leaving my car at the airport. You can pay for the parking, sucker. I guess that's what I imagine he thought we were going to Do you believe. remember that story? Do you remember that story about the the guy who got revenge on his ex by buying like a cheap car and registering her in her name? Yes. And parking it at the airport for like two years. I don't know, for like a really a long time. Long she ended time. up owing like a ton of money on uh, like parking. parking. Yeah. Um. So, um, she is still, to this day, considered a missing person, and her family has launched a website to help find her. So, um, just timeline-wise, on November November 9th, 2007, police officially named Peterson as a suspect in his fourth wife's disappearance. Four days later, Savia, are you eating Fun Dip? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, I am. Four days later, Savio's body was exhumed, and her de- death was now ruled a homicide. Um, on May 7th, 2009, Peterson was charged with murder for Savio's death. No kidding. Yep. So, um, several leads were followed in the investigation by the Illinois State Police um, and with FBI involvement. Four search warrants were issued and carried out on Peterson's property following Stacy's disappearance, including the seizure of his firearms and both his and Stacy's vehicles. Peterson announced his plans to retire. No. Like, <laughs> he's like, mm, listen, this doesn't look great for me, but I think I just, I just need to retire. Like, mm-hmm. I've got a lot going on right now and I, I need Tons. to focus on me. I need to focus on finding my fifth wife. Right. Um, so um, he announces his retirement effective December 2007. On November 15th, the Bolingbrook Police Pension Board voted to allow him to collect his pension of, like I mentioned earlier, $6,067.71 per month. Um, stating current law gave them no option as he had not been convicted of a crime. Hold on. Read that monthly out. Six sixty-seven. Six thousand sixty-seven point seven one. Look, six zero six seven. Oh, she's got the calculator out. That's seventy, almost seventy-three thousand dollars a year. Uh huh. Not taxed. Right. Uh huh. Not taxed. Just let that sink in. Like I make, you know, a third of that as a teacher, and the government takes all of it. But the three pennies that I get just in a sealed envelope from my school board every month. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick Milms, who was good, that is so loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you holding it directly I'll into it the microphone, like? Uh, no. Parent trap style. I can't hear you. I'm losing a connection. Mildred. No. Okay. I'll put it away. So I'm I w- sorry. no, it's fine. It was just funny. 
Rick Mims, who's Peterson's longtime friend, admitted that he and Peterson bought three blue plastic containers from a cable company where they both worked part-time in 2003 and provided photos of these containers to police. Mims also sold his story to tabloid newspapers for an undisclosed sum of money. But you know it was good. Yeah. Peterson's stepbrother, Thomas Murphy, who had a history of drug and alcohol addiction, attempted suicide two days after allegedly helping Peterson carry a plastic container from Peterson's Bolingbrook home to his SUV, fearing he may have helped dispose of Stacy's body. Neighbors reported seeing Peterson and another man hauling a 55-gallon barrel large enough to hold a person out of the house shortly after the disappearance. Oh my god! Call the cops! Right? Am I just a horrible neighbor? Because if I saw my neighbor carrying a 55-gallon drum out of their home, I would call the police. No, I would too, because I'm nosy as hell. And I want to know what's... Sorry. I just got a Facebook invite to join Pooh My Tupperware. And I'm like, hmm... Even if I were to have Tupperware, that's not the one I'm buying from. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, so, Cassandra Kells, that's Stacy's sister, said that she wanted Peterson to take a lie detector test about his knowledge of a blue container that she saw in his garage two days before Stacy disappeared. Mm-hmm. Joel Brodsky, Broski, I'm going to call him Broski, Broski, Peterson's attorney, denied that any container was missing from Peterson's home, which I feel like, Broski, that's your job to just say. Like, I'm not taking your word for it. Mm-hmm. That's that's why we called for a lie detector test. If we were just taking the attorney's word for it, we wouldn't have trials anymore. Our new puppy is mad. <laughs> he is oh he's so cute filled with righteous anger on behalf of Stacy and me too boy me too um hold on Paul got a dog named Winston, Winston! he's so cute okay. he's through um <laughs> so um anyway there are also reports that of truckers referring to the containers, but their stories were treated as not credible after it was discovered that they'd not been in the uh, Bolingbrook area at the times they claimed. So these poor truckers who lived their lives on the road got the date wrong, so then their testimony was thrown out completely. That is horrible. Yep. Um... All of this led to, um, Peterson got like high on the public attention and he would just show up for like any news media interview he could possibly get trying Mm -hmm. to show off that dad bod, I guess. I don't have anything against a dad bod. I have things against people who murder their wives. Oh yeah. I have nothing against a dad bod. I have something against his dad bod just because he's oogie in general. Mm. and kind of predatorial and I don't like that for real though so on January 23rd 2008 Peterson and Broski called in to the show of a Chicago radio personality known as Steve Dahl who had been um, 
lampooning Peterson since the case began. Broski suggested that Dahl host an on-air dating game with Peterson that following day. But the managers and Dahl decided not to go through with it. So luckily he didn't, like the radio host decided that like he wasn't going to do it. It's not like, he was like, you know what, this is a good idea. And then let reality set in. He was against it from the start. Okay, that's good to know. Because in the other, in the movie he was, he was all for it. It was his idea. Right. No, it was Broski's idea. Which that sounds like a Broski move anyway. Totally. <laughs> Classic Broski. So, um, Peterson also appeared on Larry King Live on April 11th, 2008. And Broski, again, and uh, was present to advise which questions Peterson should answer. The interview ran again on May 9th, 2009, two days after his arrest. Um, he subsequently made guest appearances, including one from jail, on the radio station uh, WLSAM with Mankow Muller. After the after that radio appearance, Will County Judge... Where do they find these people? I have no idea. So, Mankow? After that, the judge intervened and limited his access to the media. Which, good for you, Judge. Thank you. In December 2008, Peterson's publicist, Glenn Selig, yes, let that set in. He had a publicist at this point. Of course he did. Confirmed that Peterson was engaged to 23-year-old Christina Raines. She would have been his fifth wife. On January 30th, 2009, it was made public that Raines had moved out of Peterson's house, however. Her father had issued an ultimatum to his daughter out of concern about the way Peterson tried to control her and what he feared Peterson could do. So, Raines moved out of Peterson's home, quote, when she came to her senses, according to her dad, calling the engagement Mm. a publicity stunt designed to keep Peterson in the media spotlight. Okay. So now, after a lot of time has passed in between, um, he's finally... Indicted on May 7th, 2009 by a Will County grand jury and arrested for the murder of Savio. Bail was set at... Can you imagine that grand jury? Right? Do you kind of wish you were on it? They were just like, yeah. But <laughs> I, think, I just imagine that it took them like five whole seconds to be like, oh yeah, he did it. Um, I think... Put him on trial. Let's see. I've got that timeline pulled up. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. So he's arrested during a traffic stop after he was indicted. Which Yeah, so that's what they said in the movie, too. But they were like, oh, he was arrested at a traffic stop. Like Andy Cooper says it on the news. But I'm like, no, like. The reporters all knew he was going to be arrested. Like he pulled out of his neighborhood and he was just like surrounded by cop cars. That's not, that's not what a traffic stop is. Yeah. No, I think he like ran a red light cause he was trying to run. Oh yeah. So, um, let's see. Bell was set at $20 million in October, 2009. Whoa. Yeah. They weren't kidding around. No. Nope. Damn. In October 2009, Peterson sued J.P. Morgan Chase for revoking a home equity credit line that he wanted to use to pay for legal expenses 
claiming that his income of nearly $109,000 per year was not sufficient. In July of 2010, Judge White ruled that Peterson would remain in the Will County Jail for the remaining remainder of his trial and appeals process. Prosecutors argued Aww. he could pose a danger if released. And he was like, no, what? listen, I only kill women I'm married to, and right now there's nobody, so we're good. Yeah. we're No one's in danger. I'm actually kind of surprised he didn't kill his brother, but... Oh, well... We don't know what he tried against his brother, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Because on July 21st, 2010, it was revealed that hearsay statements indicting Peterson... um, It was revealed that hearsay statements indicting Peterson killed two... No, it's indicating that I've read as indicting three (laughs) times now. Hearsay statements indicating Peterson killed two of his wives were not reliable enough for a jury to hear at his trial. After presiding over a lengthy hearing, Judge White issued a four-page sealed ruling in May obtained by the Daily Herald. White ruled that prosecutors proved Peterson killed both Savio and Stacy, quote, by a preponderance of the evidence. But nearly all statements attributed to Stacy, quote, do not provide sufficient safeguards of reliability. Um, so they can't go, like, beyond a reasonable doubt, basically. Um, so Stacy's statements were crucial to the prosecution because they case. can't find her body, right? As it lacks significant direct evidence. In April 2012, an Illinois appellate court ruled that prosecutors could use eight statements made by both the victim prior to her death and by Peterson's still missing fourth wife, Stacy, prior to her disappearance, reversing White's earlier decision. Peterson's defense had contended that introduction of these alleged hearsay comments constituted constituted a violation of his Sixth Amendment right to confront any witnesses testifying against him. They can't confront you if you've murdered them. Right. Well, the Illinois State Legislature attempted to help the prosecution with the passage of a new Illinois law, Um, which was known as Drew's Law, which allows prosecutors to enter hearsay statements into evidence under certain conditions. It passed while investigators were looking for Stacy. The the legislation permits courts to consider statement from, quote, unavailable witnesses, provided that prosecutors are able to prove that the witness was killed to prevent his or her testimony and that the hearsay statements are reliable. So now Drew's law does exist, and if there is enough suspicion, like in this case, that Casey was killed, uh, Stacy was killed to remain silent, that they can use the testimony of the um, pastor. Okay. Um, on August twenty second, two thousand twelve, Jeff Patcher, a witness at Peterson's murder trial, said Peterson offered him $25,000 to hire someone to kill Savio and told him it would be a secret he would take to his grave. So, on September 6, 2012, after two days of deliberation, Peterson was found guilty of the premeditated two murder of Savio. Two days? Yeah. Chicago, are you okay? Listen, somebody didn't want to go back to work. It was a Thursday, and they were going to stretch that shit to Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Jurors admitted that the most compelling evidence was based on the hearsay statements allowed under Drew's law. 
On February 21, 2013, Peterson was sentenced to 38 years in prison for the murder of his third wife. He's currently incarcerated at the United States Penitentiary, Terre Haute. After a number of appeals, on September 21, 2017, the Illinois Supreme Court upheld the conviction. And then, it gets better. Yay! On February 9th, 2015... Peterson was charged with attempting to put a hit on James Glasgow, the Chicago area lead prosecutor in his murder trial, after a fellow inmate tipped off prosecutors to the plan and wore a wire to capture evidence against Peterson. How are you literally that stupid? In May 2016, he was found guilty of solicitation of murder and solicitation of murder for hire. He was subsequently sentenced to an additional 40 years in prison. (laughs) <laughs> which um i don't want to be that guy but he was sentenced to 38 years for the actual murder of his wife but when he threatened a white man he got 40 years didn't kill the white man just threatened him i know but i'll take it at this point i'll take it um so all that to say we don't actually know if he tried to kill his brother because it's very possible he tried to put a hit on his brother and it just wasn't reported yeah, that's interesting. Wow. So, that Stacey's is, never been found? Stacy has never been found. Um, oh, that poor girl. Her family is not hopeful in the least that they're going to find her alive, but they are hopeful that one day they will find the body just so they can have some closure. I can't believe... I... I can't believe that he wasn't prosecuted for Stacy's murder. I know. And I, I can't believe that they, her family hasn't had her declared dead. Yeah. Legally dead. Which is not, I mean, I'm sure they have their reasons. I just, it's horrible. Right. It's horrible. It's awful, and I feel so bad for that family. Yeah. For those children. Like, so many children were involved in this and hurt by this. Yeah. And actually, when I was looking for pictures, they I found an article that says his his sons have now said that he probably did. I know they stuck by him for a long time. Right. But he, they say now that he probably did kill both of them. Oh, that's so sad. God, that's it's sad. Horrible. Well, do you have anything good to tell me, or do you have a lifetime case of the week for me? I don't. (laughs) I really don't. I have one for you. Okay. Okay, so it's an ongoing case in my area right now. Awesome. I actually did have one. Oh, do you remember it? Well, I'm going to have to find it. The okay. article I was reading. I'll let you look while I'm talking. Um, okay. So, in the past, like, six months, <laughs> yeah, three men have gone missing in my area that all had a business together and have had a million-dollar lawsuit filed against them. Mm-hmm. Um, one has been missing for, like, six months, and one has been missing for, like, three months, and then the other one just went missing, like... Um, on the 19th was when he was reported missing. Um, 
And so as things have come out, we have learned that one of the men has a pretty rough criminal history. And Mm -hmm. one of the men was accusing uh, another one of stealing from the company. And then, of course, they've got Mm -hmm. this lawsuit against them for some shady dealings. And um, our police, not being Wisconsin police, um, immediately started searching all property owned by the last man to go missing. And Mm -hmm. wouldn't you know, they found the body of the second missing man on his hunting lease. Okay. Buried. Um. So, and now they have located the third missing man who um, had cleared his bank account out and was trying to live off the grid on the hunting lease where the body was found. Sure, 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 sure. Idiot. Um, So he Uh has now been arrested for the murder of his business partner. um, And they're still trying to figure out what happened to the third man, like the first one who went missing, who was also part of this Uh business. Um, And this is like an ID special waiting to unfold. And I can't wait to follow this case for the next three years as everything comes (laughs) out. So I found the LuLaRoe movie. Oh, did you see that they have a lawsuit filed against them? They have a ton of lawsuits have, filed against they've them. They've got a big one, and they're countersuing for a billion dollars. So that's from, from their, their main supplier. supplier. Yeah. So uh-huh. BuzzFeed so ran an expose also, yesterday. That's what I was going to tell you about is the expose. But they're also being there is also a class action lawsuit um, for the customers, as well as a lawsuit from um, the state of Washington saying that they violate the anti pyramid scheme. No, there's no way they do that. <laughs> yeah so it's crazy and there's like i watched a little youtube thing where they interviewed three women that like went through the experience and had different results except they both like or they all ended up basically wiped out one woman was like selling her house to pay her debts from lularo oh people were filing for bankruptcy like it's horrible that's so sad yeah so I'm like, I'm looking forward to this leggings movie. Yes. I want it to happen. Yes. Lifetime intern, make it happen. For the love the of six, leggings, the rise and promotion. fall of LuLaRoe. We've just titled it for you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I can't wait when we're finished with this. I get to tell you about the world's most beautiful inventor. Yay! But that will be over at Patreon. Um, So if you would like to hear about the world's most beautiful inventor, I recommend you pop on over to patreon.com slash lifetime sentence and join us. Yes, please do. And if you would like to um, keep up with us on Twitter, especially when new movies come out, Aaron is so good at live tweeting them. Um, Y'all don't want me to live tweet them. I'm not funny. Um, but you can find us at Life Sentence Pod on Twitter. Yes, and follow us on the Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. And email us at Lifetime Sentence Podcast at gmail.com. And for show notes and other fun stuff, go to our website, Lifetime Sentence.com. Uh, like us on Facebook at Facebook.com mm-hmm. slash Lifetime Sentence. 
Yes. And of course, most importantly, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us out so much. Please. Um, Please. We got a new review this week. Did we? I didn't read it. Yeah, we oh. did. Yeah, I'll read it to you. Yes. See, I keep up with our we download numbers, time. and Aaron keeps up with our ratings and reviews. So we each have our own area of expertise. So that was good news for both of okay. us. Cause, okay. It's from Tiny T, and with a lot of numbers after it. Okay. It's five stars. And it says, I found you through another show, and I'm beyond in love with this podcast. Been recommending you to everyone. Love you guys. Thank you so much. So, yay! Um, Thank you! Tiny, I would like to say we had a spike in our downloads this week, and I'm going to attribute that 100% to you. It was Tiny. <laughs> and if somebody else would like credit, you might you might want to drop a review so that we, uh, we can give you credit. But right now, it looks like it's all on Tiny's shoulders. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Well, until next time, everybody, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.